Greetings, everybody. I'm very excited today to welcome you to Live Courageously, my first podcast show after two years of doing my weekly Facebook Lives on empowerment, inspiration, motivation, COVID, and current issues affecting us, and sharing my stories and lessons from my life and my journey. While producing a film recently in Canada at the end of 2021, I felt the need to step up my show and introduce my audience to all the powerful people uh, that I have in my life and have them share their stories. I chose the title for this podcast show of Live Courageously because that's been the conscious theme for my last two years of life since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. I remember I was attending an event in February of 2020 in Naples, Florida called Unstoppable that was put on by a great brother of mine, Jason Cisneros, when we heard about the pandemic or what at the time was called the coronavirus. As you know, it went on to shake the world and for far too long, the dominant response was and is, still is fear. Fear is a reaction, but courage is a choice. And I and most of the people I'll be introducing you on this show chose courage and chose not to retreat from life, but to move forward. When I began planning for this, uh, doing this show, I created a list of 40 courageous friends that I wanna interview and have a conversation with and introduced to you. Uh, my first hard decision was who was going to be the first person who I kicked this podcast, uh, podcast show off with. And you can imagine it wasn't an easy decision. I, I know so many uh, amazing, courageous, powerful people that I want to uh, bring on and talk to and have a conversation with. So it was a very hard decision. And um, I could argue for so many of the 40 to be the first but I chose my upcoming guest um, for many, many reasons, including the fact that we go back so long from when I first came to uh, California from New York. And she's been a dear, dear friend with a story that inspires me and inspired me and will inspire you. So let me introduce you to her and, and then bring her on. Um, I'd like to introduce you to Eileen Gruber. Eileen is a, an award-winning actress, a writer, and a producer. She's a member of the Television Academy, lifetime member of the Actors Studio, and a brand ambassador for global disability inclusion. Her TV appearances have been all over uh, TV, including HBO's Watchmen, CBS's CSI, Vegas, SWAT, All Rise, Criminal Minds, NBC, New Amsterdam, This Is Us, Games of Silence, Netflix, The Politician. I'm just getting tired just talking about all the things that she's done. Um, uh, ABC's Stumptown Effects is uh, Enlightened, uh, The Walking Dead, uh, Fear the Walking Dead, HBO's Hung and Enlightened, Benched, Instant Mom, CSI, Miami, The Mentalist, Cold Case, Nip Tuck, The Closer, Monk. Woo! I'm exhausted. But th 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 and that's who she is. Um, she has energy for uh, unbelievable. She has won over a dozen Best Actress Awards. During COVID, she pivoted to writing more, and she won a $100,000 production package for a feature film and a pitch competition in 2021. She's won Mary Austin Excellence and Screenwriting Awards in 2019 and 2020, a producing award from uh, Mary Austin's Excellence in Producing in 2021, and more than 50 international awards for her disability-inclusive short films. She's an advocate for the hiring of performers with disabilities in film, television, and advertising. She serves on the SAG after National People with Disabilities Committee and was selected for the 2020 CBS Leadership Pipeline for Directing. She's also a national public speaker for events supporting challenged patients, disability inclusion, 
eradicating bullying and empowering women in 19, if that wasn't enough, and, and, and I'm, I'm leaving out so much, of, of course, in, in 2019, she went through training at the FBI Citizens Academy for Community Leaders and was the keynote uh, speaker for their graduation at the FBI Academy. And this, this ability started when she was young. As a child, Eileen narrowly survived an immune system attack on her spine caused by a vaccine that left her with a C1 to C4 spinal injury. She spent years of her childhood in a wheelchair and every year since trying to keep stay on her feet. She's also, uh, if, if she wasn't throwed all that at her, she's also an adult cancer survivor and also has experienced loss of loved ones and turns her pain into courageous energy. She's a role model of a woman who lives courageously and I'm honored, truly, truly honored to have on as my first guest to have her as a friend, have her as an inspiration in my life. So I'd like you to welcome Eileen Gruber. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you, John. How, how are you doing, Eileen? <laughs> you know, it's funny that you don't really realize how much you've done through the years until someone lines it up like that, you know, and you hear but, it and you're like, wow. Yeah, well, you know, I, I know it must feel like wow to you, but definitely to me, you know, and having known you uh, for so long, it's always wow. It just continues because the, the wow doesn't stop because you don't stop. You know, you, you keep adding to that wow. And that's part of why I wanted you to be the guest, because I, I, I just feel you have so much to uh, offer people. I just want to start before I, we get into some of the um, conversation I'd love to have with you is if you remember a little bit, and I know I do, of uh, how we met the first time in California and why we've been friends ever since that point. But let's start there. That's been a really long, long time. Um, we met because of Flash Forward. It was this program to help people learn how to advance their careers forward fast. And uh, I went through it with the enthusiasm I I always bring to things and soon became a coach. So I was a volunteer career coach and um, I guess cheerleader for people who were going through the business. And you were one of my, you were one of my people. <laughs> you were assigned to my team. I don't know what they call them back then, but you were assigned to my team. So I, I guess I was your career coach, right? For a little while. Yeah, and team leader, and, and you know, it, it's kind of, it was one of the, uh, a, a great experience for me stepping forward because I had just come out to California. I don't know when, right, when we actually met at that um, flash forward uh, seminar stuff, but I'd come out with about a hundred dollars in my pocket, and I came to and basically wanted to transform my life. A lot had collapsed in my life in New York, and I was starting over, and. Um, one of the things in joining the group is it's like, you know, you were my coach and obviously uh, you, you were hard. You were hard on me. I remember that a in a good way, hard, you know, and you're much younger than me and obviously much better looking than me. And you just you just had a great energy about you. And what I had committed to was I was going to write a screenplay in 30 days um, and I never written a screenplay before. So I had raised the bar for myself and you weren't going to let me get off. And I was like, damn it. You know, because uh, there was plenty of time during that 30 days I wanted to give up and just say, look, you know, I'm not a writer. Why am I doing this? This is crazy. 
And uh, you, you put the pressure, but in a positive way. And in 30 days, I wrote that screenplay, Waiting for Fidel, which was the first one I wrote. Um, and, and, and we built a friendship of, uh, your, because of your passion, your inspiration, you know, as well as to me, but also everybody else who was part of your team that you led. You know, you created, uh, you inspired us to push harder and to step up our game. So I appreciate that and thank you. Uh, that's kind of what took us on this journey that led to working in movies that I've done, uh, working together on projects and so much more and, and just being uh, an inspiration to each other over the years. Thank you. Yeah, it was a um, no excuses approach to coaching because, you know, I feel like in life, a lot of people will make a lot of excuses to not show up for themselves. And uh, I guess my life experience made me come to the conclusion that there is no excuse. Um, and I proved that to myself through the many, many years. No excuses, you know, um, because then you're just letting yourself down. And if you don't let yourself down and you keep showing up for yourself, it gives you an unsinkable confidence in yourself because you know you'll you will consistently show up for yourself and and that knowing and that confidence has gotten me through more than most people can imagine in terms of challenges and um and uh, one of the things that I can look back on in my lifetime and say with my whole heart is I never gave up on myself no matter what I was going through, I, I showed up and that, and I brought that to coaching because I felt like if I could show up for everything and for myself through everything I'd been through, including through cancer stuff and surgeries and still show up, then, uh, anyone could, <laughs> that's what I came to that conclusion. So I, you know, I was in my twenties when we met, you know, <clears throat> had a whole lot more energy than I have now. Uh, but uh, I believed at that time we can all show up for ourselves. And, and I, I remember demanding that of you guys. And I do remember, were you on the team when I got up one morning and burned all the skin off my foot and still went to the emergency room and showed up at the thing that night? No excuses. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't remember that, but that, that doesn't mean anything except that I'm a lot older now than I was then. Um, <laughs> But, but, you know, talking about no excuses and talking about um, finding a way to overcome and go through, if, if you want, it, why don't you take us back to the beginning? Because, you know, it started when you were a young girl and you had to, like, you know, like I read, you were in a wheelchair, you were uh, paralyzed. And it, it for most or a lot of people, that would have been a something that would have determined how they would have lived life or not lived life forever. Yeah. And, and for some reason, you went through a different uh, thing that made you the person you are today. So if you would share whatever you feel comfortable sharing about that, uh, I would love that because I think your story is just so uh, powerful. Okay, so um, I was less than five years old, just below my fifth birthday. And um, I was a happy, healthy, active, athletic little child from a big family where, you know, families are very competitive. I had six brothers, one sister, and, uh, you, you know, you, you learn to be competitive when you're in a big environment like that. So uh, 
we all got vaccines for school because we had moved to a new state and um, my vaccine, there was something wrong with it or my immune system went nuts on it. And um, 30 days later, out of nowhere, I'm running through the park with my siblings goofing off and I was running, jumping, doing all the things kids do. And uh, I landed from a flip and suddenly I couldn't feel my legs anymore and didn't know. I was too young to have any clue what was going on. I dragged myself across the park on my elbows to tell my mom something was wrong. And it took them a while to figure out that I was not just a kid playing a game. And by the end of that picnic we were all at, I couldn't sit up. And uh, they ended up rushing me to the hospital that night and uh, found out I was paralyzed from the waist down. They were worried and it was moving up. Everything was shutting down and uh, um, my bladder almost exploded. It was a very traumatic time. They told my parents that I wasn't going to live. Um, and when I did, <laughs> they said she'll never walk again. She's got a, a permanent spinal cord injury. And um, so that was just what I was told. And I was put in a wheelchair that was too big for me and sent home <laughs> uh, after a very, very, very long time in the hospital and being shipped to a few different hospitals because they didn't know what was going on. So it took quite a while to figure out um, that it was something from the vaccine, the reaction to the vaccine. And uh, I, many years later, found out from a spine study here that when medicine advanced that I have a injury from C1 to C4 in my spinal cord and it's shrunken. So there was a, a strong viral attack at that time or an immune system attack on whatever was in the vaccine. So it altered my life profoundly. And um, so the first step of I'm going to live my life is uh, I was in a wheelchair and going to my brother's football games. And I always wanted to sit right in front of the cheerleaders because I wanted to be a cheerleader. And I kept in my little chair looking up at them going, I want to be a cheerleader. I want to be a cheerleader. And that was my first big dream and goal. And uh, boy, as soon as I forced myself out of that wheelchair, which I did, it was all on me as a little kid being like, I don't understand why I can't walk. I mentally didn't understand it. And so I kept trying to force weight on my legs and you know, it took quite a long time. It's not like it was a shortened period of time. It was a long time of repeatedly trying and repeatedly falling. Um, but one day I slid myself out of my little bed onto my legs, holding onto my bed with both arms and always fell. But one day it held. And the next day I could hold on a little longer and eventually I could take a step. And that's how I somehow recovered my own spine and as much as possible and got to walking again. And that was the beginning of a journey. I've had many, many surgeries. I still have a lot of the challenges internally that spinal cord injury patients have. And as you know, through the years, you've watched me go through a whole lot of surgeries. And um, throughout that time, I always kept working in whatever capacity that I could. And when they wouldn't let me work as an actor, I worked in casting or um, producing or writing or always finding a way to keep moving in my industry. So I guess that sums it up quickly, but basically a lot of the x-rays and stuff that I endured as a small child and the treatments as a child uh, ended up causing um, thyroid cancer in my early thirties. So I had to deal with that after I'd both 
lost both parents to cancer. So it was quite a, a terrifying uh, thing because my both my parents died young. So in my family, to, it, to all of us, it kind of felt like it was just a death sentence. And I just, that was, again, I couldn't wrap my head around it. I was like, no, no I'm too young. I got stuff I got to do, you know? And <laughs> so I, I approached cancer differently than most people as well. And um, made a battle plan. Basically, I, I went into war. I, I went to war and I, and I beat that cancer and um, learned a lot in that journey too. And met a lot of amazing people. And, you know, there are a lot of crazy things I've done through the years, but in terms of courageously living um, <laughs> the theme of your show, I'm going to say I, I always showed up for myself. And in the middle of all these things, you know, like when I was first diagnosed with cancer, um, I was in the middle of casting a show and it was important to me to finish. So I finished that show before I took off to deal with my cancer. I don't know a lot of people who would have done that. I think a lot of them would have stopped and said, whoa. And I was like, no, I got to finish my commitment first. I've got to finish the show. Then I'll go deal with it. And a lot of the things in life, I didn't know how I was going to get through them. And I didn't know how I was going to get through them without parents. And I didn't, you know, have the connections that a lot of people are born into that come into our industry. I didn't have any of that. I, you know, I always felt like I was starting from zero, but I was never afraid of a challenge. <laughs> I never ran from a challenge. I always went straight at a challenge. And I think that's what I learned from my childhood is like, you know, tell me I'll never walk again. I'm going to show you how I will. And even to this day, doctors, when they look at my spine or when they look at my rebuilt ankle and foot and all the things going on in my world, a lot of them still look at those x-rays and things and are like, how are you walking? You know, they, they, you know, I've had doctors say to me, I don't understand how you're not completely sedentary. And I'm like, because I refuse to be, you know, I'm, that's not an option. <laughs> and do I deal with a lot of pain? Heck yeah. Would it be easier to just sit down and never get up again? Sure it would. But would I be everything I could be if I made that choice? I don't think I'd still be here if I chose to stay down. You know, Eileen, it's been funny as I was preparing for the um, show, I, I picked up a, a book on Kindle um, just co coincidentally three days ago and started reading it called Hero on a Mission by, um, uh, I, I forget the name. I'll remember it after, Donald Miller maybe. Anyway, I started reading the book and Hero on a Mission is kind of like, because we're both in the film industry and you know that as a, uh, a screenwriter, as well as a uh, actress, that there's a whole thing called the hero's journey that we use in writing a screenplay, and a lot of the a lot of screenplays follow that model of a hero's journey, you know. So you have somebody who goes out on a on a journey, and they meet a guide, and they overcome all these obstacles, and that's what a good story is: is somebody who has the courage. They may have fear, they may have insecurity, but they find a way to overcome the fear, the pain, the obstacles in their life and they get to the end that what makes that's what makes a great story and makes a great movie but as i was reading the book and taking notes and um uh, dwelling on it it's also what makes for a great life and that's what you're sharing is you know because 
if we get to go on that hero's journey, not to say that we're heroes per se, but we go on that journey that we overcome everything that's thrown at us, we have a different kind of life if we don't go on that journey and we let, like you're suggesting, the pain to stop and just give up or to not go forward like when you were casting the show. There's so many ways to just say, no, I ain't doing this. I, this is too much. But yeah. you didn't and you don't. And, and because of that, you are who you are. Um, and I guess I would ask you, how would you describe yourself in a few words because of your journey, because of the fact that you never give up and you've never gave up? How would you describe? Because I have some words for you, but I, I'd love to hear what words would you have for yourself? What words would I um, would I use? Um, I know that I'm courageous because I know that every time I've truly been terrified, I kept moving. Um, I didn't give myself a choice not to. Um, as long as it was something that really mattered to me. I mean, I had to learn to say no to all the things that didn't matter because those get in your way too, but the things that mattered. And um, I don't give up. So that's a few words. Um, I know that you can't beat me down. And I hesitate to say that because I don't want, you know, mean people to see that as a challenge. Um, but for all the people who've tried to take me out for whatever their fears are, a lot of people fear the spirit that comes with a survivor and a person, a kid that's dealt with disability and the bullying that comes with that and the, the closed off society that tells you you're not welcome everywhere you go. And in an industry that tells you you're not welcome because you're not perfect, you have a limp or whatever. And um, in order to face that and say, no, I have a right to be here. You have to believe in yourself and you have to move forward through all kinds of adversity. So what I know I am is strong. And what I know is that I'm unsinkable. And the reason I'm unsinkable is because I will keep showing up for myself. You know, there's some old saying, I won't remember it exactly, but about how you can't stop a person who never gives up. And I'm not going to give up on myself. I've been through too much. I have a very important journey that I, you know, feel like was sort of divinely inspired or sent my way. I don't know how to explain it except for that my life experience showed me that our world was entirely too exclusive, um, keeping out people who'd been through the most. And to me, that's a failing recipe for all of humanity. You can't keep out the people who've been through the most. And so I was determined to change that because I didn't see people like me or kids like me as less. I saw us as having more to bring to a table than people realized. And society kind of likes to think that perfection is the perfect model and that that's what you want in, in charge of everything in front of everyone. You want to show everyone this illusion of perfection. And I feel like that's a disservice to all of humanity. I feel like um, the more battles we've been through, the more we have to bring to a table, just like a seasoned warrior or a, a seasoned athlete 
or you know someone who has skills to bring to the game um why do you want to leave out the people most skilled at survival especially in times like these where people are like how do we survive well you turn to the people who have done it repeatedly and so uh, that knowing i've needed to change the perception of things and putting that task on myself for whatever reason um has been a driving force because i don't i get i always get emotional when i talk about this i don't want ever another child to endure the things i endured as a child and to grow up having survived all the things i've survived i don't want another kid to come into an industry like this one or any industry and be told they aren't allowed to even have an opportunity because there's something different about them or they walk different or they move different or they adapt in some way because they have a different set of circumstances or tools or you know our body is just a it's a machine it's a tool and we don't all have the same parts and i don't feel like it's right to leave out people because they function differently and so i set out to change it and that's been a driving force so you know uh there's a book i'm sure you've heard of a man's search for meaning by victor frankel um it sits by my bed <laughs> i keep that book by my bed i i can't tell you how many times i've i didn't know that um but you know it, 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 i i was doing some reading and that was coming up too as i was getting ready to do this show with you and you know um and he talks about how you know pain is a force that transforms us and he said you know we don't, we have power over all, we don't have power over all that happens in the world, but we have power over our perspective yeah. and that you can find a redemptive perspective in life. And that's a bold claim that he makes. And he obviously, what he experienced proved that, exactly. that what he experienced was even more extreme than what we get to experience. And yet he found a redemptive uh, thing. And what you're, what you're sharing, Eileen, you know, in the pain that you went through in the, um, uh, the ability to keep you out and not give you a chance or people who have uh, a different abilities as opposed to the a mainstream ability, all those things, you found a purpose. You took that pain, you took that and you turned it into something redemptive. And I, I think his book is a great book that everybody should read and everybody should absorb. But I, you know, I want to ask you if you could just take us a little bit on, you know, how you took that as you, cause your passion was besides your young passion to become a cheerleader as a kid, your passion became to become a, a performer, an actor. Mm -hmm. And you followed that uh, passion into the uh, actor's studio, into all those things that I read, all those shows that you've been in. And then you took that struggle that you found, all those doors closing against you, and mm -hmm. you opened up, you fought for not just yourself, but you fought for others and you became a spokesman for others. So maybe take us a little bit on all of that, your passion for the industry, and then your role in the being on the cover of Ability Magazine, the work that you do to inspire others who need a voice and, and uh, bring them into this world. So if you could just take us on that journey, I'd love it. Sure. Um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, sometimes I think our journeys are sort of predestined. I don't, I've come to that conclusion after a lot of things happened that made me go, wow, how things line up. Well, being a cheerleader, incidentally, is a performer who stands up in front of a massive crowd and encourages them to root for your team, you know, cheer on your players, you know, 
I was really good at rallying a crowd. The challenges I had as a child uh, gave me a whole lot of energy. And I was so excited about getting to be a cheerleader that I had this boundless energy, even if my legs didn't work as well as everyone else. And the challenges of being a cheerleader were huge for a girl with a spinal cord injury who couldn't really jump on her legs, you know, but I, but I excelled at what I could. I ended up having a big voice and this huge ability to uh, make people smile and cheer. And I learned performing in front of large audiences at that time as a child. And I didn't care if my legs weren't working right. And I didn't care if I had bladder issues that made me have to go every quarter as a little girl and change my clothes. Cause every time I jumped my bladder would empty and, and for some reason, the cheerleading mattered more. So cut to, you know, my life takes a few turns and I end up getting pulled into this entertainment industry. I didn't think about this when I was a kid. It just kind of kept coming at me. And I thought, well, if I'm going to go into this business, if it's going to keep coming at me, I'm going to learn a lot about it. So I went to work for a casting director when I lived in Atlanta, which is where I started my career. And I worked on the stage and I sang in my church choir and we did musicals and I just had so much fun doing it. I fell in love with performance and performing. And then shortly, uh, a few years into it, I moved to New York City and uh wanted to be in a bigger market. At the time, there was not much of a market in Atlanta. It was very small. There were two casting directors, not a lot happening. So I outgrew the town. I went to New York. And uh, in New York, I started to, um, let me go back to Atlanta. I ended up having to have leg rebuilds in my very early 20s and ended up in a wheelchair again with a cast up to my leg. And during that time, I I still kept trying to do what I was doing. I went to classes, I worked for casting directors, and I just kept, I didn't let any of it stop me from doing what I could. And so I got to New York and I was really having trouble walking because I'd had this whole leg rebuilt. And what we didn't know at the time is they left bones hitting. And incidentally, I ended up spending the next 30 years, literally, literally almost 30 years, walking on bones hitting in my leg and ankle, which is excruciating pain, but that's what I was dealing with and why I had a brace for so long up to my knee. Um, I went to New York with that kind of pain I was dealing with, and it was really hard to walk through that city, but I kept going to all these things. And it was the first time that I had a few people say to me, you're never going to work in this industry because you walk funny. I mean, literally say it to my face. And I just, I just never believed them because I believed I could do whatever I put my mind to because, hey, they said I'd never walk again. Here I am. So I'm like, I'm walking. You might not like the way I'm walking, but it tells me I can do whatever I want to do. And I remember the first time an agent said that to me. And, you know, I had just turned down multiple times Playboy. It just kept coming my way. I didn't want to do that stuff. People just kept saying, oh, you could do this. And I was like, ah, I don't want to do that stuff. That to me is not empowering women. I think it weakens people and weakens women. And I just didn't want to have any part of it. And um, so I turned it down. And then I'm in the office of this agent telling me I'll never work in this industry because I walk funny. And I'm looking up at the pictures on the wall behind him. And I'm like, I think I just turned down what most of your girls aspire to do. So I think I'm going to be okay. And I walked out his door, this tiny little agent who's working out of his home office, who has his underwear hanging out of the hamper in the bathroom when he has clients coming in. 
And I walked right in the door of one of the biggest top agencies in New York City. And by the time I got home that day, I was signed by a massive agency. So I was just like, well, you know, when one person says no way, you go find somebody bigger. And that's, I even wrote an article about that in Hollywood Journal later that that was something I always believed. It's like, I called the article, find someone bigger. Because I've always believed that the people in charge, the people at the top, the people who can make decisions and powerful decisions are in power because they're risk takers. They see the opportunity. They see the value in differences. They see the gold in life experience. They're, it's small-minded people who say, no, you're never going to work in this industry. How can you know that? You don't know that about me. You, you don't know anything about me. I just walked in your door. So um, I find it interesting that people are willing to just shut a door and underestimate people because they're not, quote, unquote, perfect. You know, I find that, you know, not very smart. So I walked out that door and I got a bigger agent and much bigger to the point where I was going into casting offices and they're all like, how did you get with this agency? And I'm like, oh, no, I just walked in the door, talked my way past the security guard and got in there. <laughs> and I was a kid. So what do I know? I mean, I really did some dumb things, taking big risks when I was living in New York City. I look back now and I laugh my little tail off because I'm like, I cannot believe some of the doors I walked in into and the things I said, you know, like I literally walked into William Morris agency when I was a kid and asked for William Morris. And they were like, um, he's dead. And I was like, oh, okay, well, the next guy in charge. I mean, that, that conversation actually happened when I was like 25 years old in New York city. So why am I not um, surprised? <laughs> and, and, you know, so these, these, these things happen. I ended up getting signed with Buckwald. I had an agent that I still will always fondly remember because he didn't sort of seem to mind. His name was David Elliott and he, he didn't seem to mind my ignorance about the business. Um, you know, cause even when he asked me to sign, I was like, should I sign? I mean, that's like an exclusive thing. And he's like, no, you, you actually want that in our business. And I didn't know cause in Atlanta, you just get with everybody at the time. That was how it worked. And so I was, I was completely clueless. And, um, and I got a lot of, uh, in a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities, but it also is the first New York, I, I started to deal with some discrimination and um, little bits here and there and uh, learning about it. But I, but I did get some work and I, I really struggled walking there. It's a walking city. And so after a couple of years, I, I left and came to LA because Everybody was telling me I should go to L.A. and in L.A. you could drive. And I was like, that's going to work for me. So um, it was when I came to L.A. that I really started to face the worst discrimination. You know, I had great headshots. I had great training at HB Studios in New York. I had some great teachers. I was getting great feedback on my work. And I got to L.A. and got agent fairly easily and got, you know, a manager. And because of my headshots, you send them out. And I got into a lot of doors kind of easily. And then I'd walk in the door and they'd be like, looking at me like I'm a leper asking what's wrong with my leg. And it was the first question all the time. There was a cringe face, like, you know, like, Ugh. and then like those doors would shut and then I couldn't get in the door again. And some of them I couldn't get into for years to this day. There's still a few casting offices that will not let me audition for anything to this day. I got the list. I know who they are. One day I will get through their door. One day they will come asking for me 
or one day they'll be asking me for a job because that's another goal of mine is to, you know, I'm getting closer and closer to being in a position where I'm doing the hiring. But there, I learned a lot about discrimination in LA and it wasn't right. And that's why I kept fighting. I was like, this is wrong. It's, it's wrong. And there's a lot of kids out here who have a dream that are dealing with bigger challenges than I was. So I started fighting for my fair right to do what I wanted to do. And I didn't understand why anybody would think that that wasn't possible. You know, you know, I, mean, I, I want you uh, before I, I jump you to that to share a little bit what you've done with some of those kids who have a dream, who ha- who want to, you know, uh, participate and they're not getting the opportunities or they're not being accepted and all that. I want you to share what you've done with some of them, because because I think that is just so uh, inspiring. But, you know, before that, it, it's like what lesson uh, would you give to people? who, you know, because so many people give up. So many people, when they get hit with these obstacles, and you will, and, and they do, they give up or it, it, it takes their strength away and they retreat as opposed to, like you said, you just kept going and you found that in the midst of whatever obstacles. And that doesn't mean that those obstacles should be there, but they are. And it doesn't mean that uh, you can't eventually get rid of them. But for the time being that they're there, you can either do two things. You can give up or you can fight and change right. and change right. them and, and keep going forward. What, what, what would you share with people for themselves as a takeaway? What can, what should they do? What, how do they deal with that when they get hit with that in life? Cause everybody will in different in ways. Okay. So this is what I believe is the recipe <laughs> for anyone who wants to accomplish something in their life, whatever it is. Be so good at what you do that someone will notice somewhere. Be so good at what you do. Train so hard. Work so hard. Be so highly skilled that you believe in you completely. So that when someone's telling you no way, you say, yes, way. I've worked hard. I've earned this. I have every right to do what anyone else can do because I've got the skills to back this up. I'm not asking, I never asked for a job I couldn't do, ever. You know, I knew I could knock those things out of the park because I'd worked so hard. In New York City, I met an actress early on who I told my dream that I wanted to be a member of the actor's studio. I used to limp by the actor's studio and just watch and look at people. And in my head, I said, one day I'm getting in that place. One day I'm going to be a member of that place. She told me no way. She went to Juilliard. She knew so many Juilliard grads who couldn't get past the auditions. It's just not going to happen, she said. Same girl told me I was never going to get an agent in New York City. So, you know, imagine my joy (laughs) when I got in the actor's studio. And when did you do that? Uh, uh, Just a quick aside. I did that. I was on the wait list for like a year to audition in New York. And then I moved to L.A., And a girl uh, who was on the wait list in L.A., that was when they used to do the auditions only once a year. So it it took a long time to be on the wait list to get in. And uh, um, a girl I met asked me if I would audition 
do her audition with her for the actor's studio. And she picked the material and everything. And this is one of those times where you feel like there's a bit of divine intervention going on here because she picked a character who was paralyzed from the waist down from being hit by a cab. She's in a wheelchair. She's drinking. She's angry. And in my brain, I just said to myself, and no one at this time at the actor's studio knew me. They didn't know my story. They knew nothing about me. All they knew was I came in and did an audition for my first audition for the studio. And I play, she gave me that character. She wanted to play the maid that I'm abusing, uh, verbally abusing. And I was like, well, I can play that character in my sleep because imagine how angry I'd be if I was paralyzed again after everything I've been through. You know, I was like, I don't want to go through that again. So I just imagined what it would be like. And I went for it with everything I had and all the, everything I knew in my life. And I got all the way to finals on my first audition, which at the time was a little unheard of. It would, you know, cut to, you know, years later, Barbara Bain, who's been one of my dearest friends and mentors there said many years later, she's like, I'll never forget that audition. Oh. You know, I brought everything I had. And I, I like to say, I throw my guts on the stage. I put it all on that stage. And, um, you know, once you've accomplished something that you really wanted, like getting into the actor's studio, and then I got to work with these amazing people for many, many years working on that stage and learning from Martin Landau and Carmen Argenziano and Barbara Bain and Alan Miller and Lou Antonio and all these incredible people who actually care about your craft and you being the best you can be. And they push you in really positive but firm strong directions because they know what you're capable of once you get into that environment and you're working with people bringing all that to the game you you're proud of yourself that you didn't believe the the person who told you you could never do it you know a couple of things you just said um that i kind of want to just um reiterate and then ask you about in the first one, you're talking about being the best you can be. At, at Absolutely. Be your best so that no one just, can deter you. I no mean, one can so say it's not possible. I'm, I remember Sorry. for me, uh, you know, when I was introduced to the idea to take 100% responsibility for your life, that changed my life forever. Because mm -hmm. if you look at life that other people are responsible for your life or they need to give you something or you're entitled to something, you'll never have power. Because once you take that power that you're responsible for your life. It's your life. You got to be the best that you can be at it. And you're going to step up no matter what obstacles are thrown at you. Now you're empowered to go forward. Without that, you're disempowered. You're, you're waiting on others yeah. and, uh, and you're never you're waiting gonna... on someone else yeah. to make it happen. And in our industry, a lot of years will go by really fast. If you think looking pretty sitting at Starbucks is going to work out for a film role or something, it's just not a thing. Every single person who moves to LA is pretty, you know, that's yeah. a thing, you know? So now you got to bring your A game every chance you get, because those chances are slim and it doesn't mean we all don't fail. I mean, gosh, you, if, if you knew how many times I failed or didn't get a job or didn't live up to my own expectations or my own bar, you know, um, Carmen, who you knew was one of my greatest allies and mentors and closest family out here for so many years until he passed. But he always said, uh, raise the bar, Eileen, just raise the bar. And <laughs> on me, on everything, he was always saying, raise the bar. And I always think about that as like, 
what we can do to empower ourselves is to constantly raise our own bar, constantly be gaining, learning, growing, um, engaging with people who help us push us to be the best we can be. Not, not people who are okay with us sitting on the couch crying about it, but people who are like, hey, you know, I'm with you. Let's get, get up off the couch and keep moving. I get that you're having a hard time. I appreciate that. I, I get it. Believe me, I get it. And there is a time for those hard times. But then the you other really thing, need people around you who believe in you and help you get back up again. Absolutely. And the other thing you mentioned, which is, you know, there is those moments and I, you've had them, I've had them. And it sounded like the one at the actor studio was one of those divine intervention moments where you, you know, something happens that if it wasn't for that, that wouldn't be where you end up next. And so a door opens and, you know, at that moment, you know, people call it God's wink or people call it all kinds of different things, but you realize that something changed here because of this moment. And that opened up a door for you. Now it's up to you at that point when that door opens, what you do with it, because you can yeah. do nothing. You can yeah. walk back out the door and not accomplish mm -hmm. anything because exactly. so what the door opened. Um, but at that point, if it does offer you that opportunity now you have the, the chance to step into another level, step into another experience. And you obviously did. I, I just kind of want to go back because we're, I think we got about another 15 minutes and I, I do want you to share some of the things you got going in your life now, which are fantastic. But I also want you to kind of share a little bit about some of the work you did with those, especially the children um, who you gave in, you know, you've made them smile. Because one of the, you know, when I asked you about you know, what describes you when you gave some words. I mean, you know, your passion is one of the words I would use to describe you. You know, you, you your passion just comes out of you constantly and it comes out in your smile and you got one of the best smiles in the world because, and then when you're with these kids, that smile has got, what you bring to them has got to enrich them, but enrich you. And so I'd love you to share that because, you know. Well, I'm going to say that one of the things that I brought to the kids that I, I know matters because I was one of those kids is I see them mm -hmm. with unconditional acceptance. I accept them, I love them, regardless of their challenges, their differences, I see who they are. And the, I think one of the greatest gifts you could give to any human being is to accept them for who they are, exactly who they are, whatever they are, accept them for who they are and uh, help them. Say that one more time, me. please. Say that one more time. <laughs> I think the most important, important thing you could give to the greatest gift you could give to any human being is to accept them for who they are. Welcome them, accept them for who they are, exactly as they are, whoever they are. We are all different for a reason. This world would not work if everyone was the same. And we need to just love and accept people. So when I meet these kids, they're so used to having their guard up and being shy. And a lot of them are, have dealt with so much rejection and humiliation and bullying and that when somebody just says, I see you and smiles, you know, a lot of times you walk by a kid with a, a challenging disability and you will see them look away from you often. And I know what that is. They're so afraid one more person is going to mock them or cringe. Like people used to cringe when they saw me walk. And I'm like, hey, it's good I'm walking. I didn't used to be able to do that. You know, this is a good thing. It might be not be perfect, but I'm doing it. And, uh, you know, these, so when I see these kids, I smile. I'm like, you're welcome here. I see you. I see your light. They have this incredible spirit and energy. So I've mentored a good handful of these kids, um, some of them from childhood all up. I've, 
I've um, written shows for for a whole lot of kids and and then directed them and taught them how to do the work and get them up on a stage doing the things they want to do and watch these kids light up when you just accept them for who they are. I, I remember one mother of a, of a boy that was in one of the shows we did and he was so shy and afraid and hiding in the corner and everything throughout the beginning of the rehearsal process. And by the end, he was one of the stars of the show and the mom comes to me in tears after and she's like, <laughs> what have you done to my child? He, he was always afraid. He was in the corner. He was hiding and they always stuck him in the corner. And now he's like the star of the show. And I said, I didn't put him in the corner. Hmm. Simple as that. I wasn't afraid of him. I let him come to me and tell me what he wanted to do. I let him open up on his terms, tell me what he wanted to do in the show. And I listened. And bit by bit, I learned about this child and what he was capable of, which was extraordinary. He was extraordinarily talented. And I gave him a place to let it out, a safe place. So giving people a safe, welcome place is, is so important. And then they'll shine. And the other thing is um, these kids, you know, I feel like they have so much to bring to the world. So I've encouraged them and let them know that you have a right to your dreams. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about you and your disability and your challenge. Who cares what they think? It's what you think. And if you want to believe in you, go out and do the work. Be great at what you do. Do the work. Show up ready. And then keep showing up for yourself. Keep showing up. Keep showing up and go after what you've got. And Eileen, for those who don't know, what are some of the challenges that these kids face? What are the physical challenges? What are some of the uh, things that every, they have to overcome? Every kind of disability you can imagine. I've worked with all those kids and I just love and adore them. I've worked with kids with cancer. I've, I've told kids who were told they were dying. You know, I've literally sat there listening to somebody say, yeah, um, we've been talking about going to heaven. And I'm just like, or not, or not, you know, that's your decision. Like everybody has a decision to keep going and to keep fighting and to keep showing up for themselves. And I remember this one little cancer girl, a cancer patient that I met who's, who was so sick. And I was got down on my knees face to face with her and heard her mom say that. And I just literally looked at her mom and said, or not. And I looked at the little girl and I said, this ain't, they said the same thing to me when I was your age and I'm still here and I'm a lot older than five. <laughs> and I, we started comparing scars and uh, she was showing me her zipper and she was her zipper. <laughs> that's a scar. And um, her spirit just went from here to here. She, her energy went up because somebody told her it was possible. You know, somebody gave her hope and cut to all these years later. She's a, she's a, a, a woman now she's a like she's probably 15 or no she's probably close to 20 now uh she's still alive she's still here she didn't go to heaven that year um so i've worked with a lot of kids from cancer patients spinal cord injuries spina bifida uh, cp autism deaf um everything. And, and of some of my friends um, who've come into this industry, uh, I've encouraged them to the best of my ability to believe in themselves and not take no for an answer and just keep going. And, um, you know, I promised this industry, if they didn't let me work, I was going to bring back an army of us. And now there's an army and, and not all my doing, I don't take 
credit for that at all. It, there's a, a group of people who were starting to speak up and shout out and stand up and stay in the game and stay in the game. And they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And we started encouraging more kids that it was possible. And now, you know, the, the tidal wave is turning and you're starting to see a lot more people with disabilities on TV. And that's because of the Danny Murphy's and the Gail Williamson's and the, and and so many people who were in the game, young Jerry Jewell, who fought for their right to work and didn't give up. I hear you. That's just some amazing, powerful stuff, Eileen. You know, as you know, I mean, we could talk for hours or probably days. Um, yes. There's just so much to, to, to share. And I and just kind of want to get some things out. Obviously, I want you to share what's your next stage of your life and the theme for, you, for what's coming up next. But, you know, before that, I was going to ask you, um, th there's a Facebook page that you have called Everyday Warriors. And mm -hmm. once again, it's a, a place where you encourage people with that message. So if you could just share a little bit about that, and then I want you to kind of share a little bit of what's next, the next stage of your life um, and how people can contact you as we get close into wrapping up. Everyday Warriors is a Facebook page where it's just like pretty much everyone on it has been through some kind of holy hell and uh, a lot of cancer survivors, a lot of people who've just been in the battles and um, and we share encouragement, positive things to think about when something positive crosses my path. I share it on Everyday Warriors, uh, encouraging people to go out and go after it, whatever it is they like, they want in life while they're still here, you know, and, and occasionally we'll have somebody who's going through a real bad challenge and we'll post, please warriors tune in, give us your best tips because I feel like we, we can learn from these people that I learned from the survivors. There's a, um, a website out there. If you Google strive magazine, bring in the game changers. You're going to find a five minute article I wrote about the game changers in our life and in our world. I think it's a valuable article to read. Um, I have pivoted a lot towards writing over the last few years. We've been stuck indoors with a pandemic. I finished up a screenplay that I'd spent years working on um, that all started with me reading Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning in one of my darkest hours. And I stumbled upon a piece of history that years ago that no one's talked about, no one's told. And um, I wrote this project called Life Unworthy. And then talk about throw your hat over the fence. I ended up at a festival with one of my other disability inclusion films. I've made a lot of films that have gone out into the festival circuit winning awards. And one of them was in a festival called Cordillera in Reno. And I went to that um, and in that time, it was the middle of the pandemic, and that was the only festival I showed up for, for some reason. And uh, <clears throat> there was an opportunity to cold pitch. So I cold pitched this important story to a room full of industry people. And I was up against everybody who had had a very long time to prepare. I did a lottery ticket and got an opportunity. And I got up laughing at myself going, you're not ready to pitch. What are you going to say? And I just walked up there and took the mic and I sat down and I pitched this story because it was coming from my heart and I'd spent years researching it and I won the whole competition. So the pitch fest. And so that ended up opening up doors to a very accomplished producer in this town named Hunt Lowry, who's now partnered with me on the project and we're going to move it forward. And it tells a very, very important piece of disability history uh, from the perspective of a couple of mothers, nurses. And um, I can't wait for that story to be told because everybody who's read it has called me emotionally 
moved and um it, it has it's 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 having an incredible impact on everyone who reads it so i feel like it's going to have a worldwide impact and it's going to be a game changer for all these kids it's going to change our our world i believe perceptions and and get people to have a lot more understanding and empathy and courage it's going to teach people about courage well i've been you know, lucky to hear from you um a lot about that particular project and and i have to agree with you i i can't wait till that comes to fruition because it's it's a long journey um and mm -hmm. it's going to impact people's lives just like you have in everything you've done so far but on a, a bigger scale um and maybe divine intervention is that moment again so we'll see yeah. uh, i sure hope so um yeah. anything that you want to kind of sum up and and finish as we as we're finishing up the show and then uh, how people can contact you if they want to hire you as a speaker, as an actress, as a consultant, as a writer, as mm -hmm. just about anything, you know. Um, but just what would you kind of leave us with, uh, Eileen? And, you know, thank you. For I being believe that every human being is put on this earth for a reason. I believe that we all have a purpose and we need to go for it. We all deep down inside know what it is, what driving dream is in us, whether it's to write a book or, you know, become a scientist or a rocket scientist or whatever is driving you. Um, we've got to get the fear out of the way and just go for it. And the way to do that is to take the first step and then the next step and just keep going and go after what it is you were put on this earth to do. And while you're doing it, remember that every person around you is on a different journey and a different path. We all have different beliefs. We've come from different levels of poverty or wealth. We've come from different religions, different colors, different races, different everything. And that's okay. We all need to embrace and welcome and love each other again and support each other. Find the people who believe in you so that in the moments of doubt and darkness, you have people who say, hey, I believe in you. Let's go. You know, you, you need to surround yourself with people who believe in you and you need to give that to the people around you. You can't just be a taker. You've got to be a person who gives love and support and encouragement to the people. See the golden people, see the best in people and, and then help them get there and make sure you're surrounded by people who do that for each other. I think that's the most important thing because we're all here for a reason. And we could change this world. We could make it incredible. We could take away all the adversarial crap that's been foisted on everybody, especially in the last few years. The fear. Why do we have to live in fear? Let's get rid of it. Let's courageously jump forward and move forward and make this life work. We, this generation, believe we've been through a lot of hell. We have. Some of us have. A lot of us have been through more. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened. If you look at history, we've had a lot of horrible things throughout all of mankind's time on the planet. So if they could get through it and the planet's still here and people still exist, we can get through this and we can get it through with a smile and we can still advance humanity with every step we take. But we've got to we've got to start caring about each other's journey as much as we care about our own. Wow. Well, I, what a powerful ending. What a powerful message. You know, just to even take that clip and share with people, kind of it kind of tells me why I picked you as the first person to have on my show, because uh, you know my instinct said you know besides our, our dear you know friendship over the years, it, it, the power of your message, the power of your belief in, in in living courageously, 
and being that person that not only lives courageously, but inspires others and inspires them and loves them and and lights up their life is something we need now more than ever. And you are that person, Eileen, you are definitely that person. So I'm, I'm honored and blessed to have you on today and I'm honored and blessed to have you as a friend all these years. So um, um, I feel the same way about you, John. I really do. I'm really grateful for the strongest, most positive people in my life. I don't know how I'd still be standing if I didn't have amazing friends. Indeed. And you are among them. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And how do people reach you? And then uh, I'm going to then go into a quick wrap up myself. How do people reach you to hire you, to work with you, to do all those things that you're doing? And then um, uh, we'll talk again. Okay, so there are a lot of ways you can reach me. Um, Obviously, if you're in the entertainment industry, you go on IMDb Pro and you'll find my agents, managers, publicists, everybody who reps me. Um, If you're trying to hire me to be a speaker, you can either go to Global Disability Inclusion. They've got a website. They they represent Fortune 800 companies. Um, They can work that out. Or you can go to my website, Eileen Gruba. Dot com, E-I-L-E-E-N-G-R-U-B-B-A.com. There's many ways to hire me there. Um, please don't reach out and ask me to do a whole bunch of work for free. I just don't have the time anymore. I've, I've got huge projects on my plate. I'm not going to turn everyone's life story into a movie that I just don't have the space for that. Um, you've got to make your own movies happen. Um, but I'm I'm here to to for hire. I got to make a living too. I, you can bring me as a speaker, a coach. Most importantly, I'm an actor and I'm a writer. I'm um, reachable through all my agents. You can find me on Facebook and Twitter and uh, Instagram by my name. And uh, you can reach out to my reps if you want to hire me. That's uh, that's the the bottom line, I guess, of it all. That's a whole lot. And then um, once again, thank you, Eileen. Thank you so much. And um, I can't wait to share this this particular podcast with as many people as I possibly can, because I think your message is so powerful that now more than ever, people need to hear this message and hear the just the passion, the love that comes across from you, the strength and the courage. So thank you so much for, for um, just being here with me today. I really, really oh, appreciate you're so it. so welcome. You know, life is a... I believe life is a team effort. And so a lot of uh, succeeding in your heart and in your goals is uh, finding your team, the people who believe in you and who you believe in them and making sure you give as much as you ever ask for. You know, when you're reaching out to mentors, make sure you're bringing something to the game too. You know, so uh, it's important to remember we're all in this together. Thank you. Have a great weekend. And once again, appreciate it. And um, much love. And thank you very much, Ali. Thank you, John. All right. Well, as I wrap up this uh, first podcast, Live Courageously, um, I think you've just been gifted with an incredible uh, story of an uh, amazing human being who's overcome so much uh, health challenges from being paralyzed to cancer to discrimination. and always being somebody who's expressed courage and love and uh, being the best that she could be. I think we've all been um, blessed by this. I didn't, you know, uh, know this has been a great way to kick off Live Courageously, the uh, series podcast. And I got at least another 40 guests coming up that have very different, 
unique stories, all who have lived a, a life of courage and encourage you to live a life of courage. Because at the end of the day, we're living in a time where uh, too much fear is being sold and promoted to us. And what we need to do is reject the fear, reject the division and choose courage. So live courageous, live courageously, folks. And I'll see you in two weeks with my next guest. Have a fantastic weekend.